The following is a presentation by The Tabernacle, a community of changed lives. For more information regarding service times or if you would like to make a donation to The Tabernacle, you can do so by visiting our website at www.thetabchurch.com. Let's pray together. God, thank you that you are the great I am, that there is none beside you. There's nothing that compares to your power. Nothing compares to your glory. Nothing compares to the person of Jesus. Thank you for the privilege to worship you. Thank you for the privilege to sing your praises. And God, even for those of us that are here this morning and we're not even sure about our allegiance, we're not even sure if you know, we're all in with this God or even what that means. God, I thank you for the privilege to be here and to hear in our voices and in the lyrics and in this place where your spirit is so thick that we believe in the great I am and we believe that there is power, power to change lives, power to change everything. God, I pray in these next few moments that you would translate for your servant as we continue to worship through the preaching and teaching of your word. God, I pray that our hearts would be open, that we would not worry about uh, uh, the the person next to us and are are they hearing this message, but God, that we would only listen with spirit ears for what you would have to say to us. May we be receptive and may we do something about it, God, for your glory and our joy. Thank you, God, the great I am. And it's in your son's name, Jesus, that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. I'd like to welcome you also to the Tabernacle. My name's John. I'm one of the pastors here, and it's a great season of uh, just to be in America, right? Because it's football season, right? Football season is kicked off. Now, I am holding in my hand a football. Um, I will get to that in a minute, but let's talk about arm ball for a second. Um, someone asked, that's American football if you're just checking, you're checking in here, but someone asked me, uh, because in the first service, I failed to mention anything about uh, the Notre Dame MSU game, right? And I would just want to say, Sparty, well done. Well done to Sparty. That's outstanding. And I heard Michigan also did well. Good for them. Is that correct? Did Michigan do well? Yes, Notre Dame season is over. But all of you need to watch out because the Buckeyes are dangerous, right? So, the, okay, that's another thing. I want to talk, though, today about football or football, right? Because as most of you know, this is the sport I grew up with. This is my passion. This is what I love. Played it at a decently high level. And now I coach. And I choose to coach for a couple of reasons. Because coaching is like pastoring, right? You get to pastor a group of players and their parents. You get to be involved in their lives. And, and it's, it makes Johnny not be a dull boy, right? Uh, to kind of get out and kind of do something just a little bit. And uh, so I enjoy it. But I also enjoy it for this reason. Is that it is a great place to watch people's faith get played out. You want to know what someone's character is really like? Watch them when they step across the sideline. Better yet, watch them when their kid steps across the sideline, right? So as part of uh, this great season, this football and football season, uh, I thought that I would start with a public service announcement because I know here in North America, many of you, uh, maybe, didn't, you maybe you didn't play soccer, okay? Maybe you played some other sport, but you're going to go watch a niece or a nephew, a child, a grandkid on a high school team, a junior high team. Maybe you'll watch them, you know, at a little peewee league or whatever, but there's some confusion about the throw-in. 
And so I would like to just, as a public service announcement, I want to give you the laws of the game, a little coaching moment on what a proper throw-in looks like. First of all, if you don't know what a throw-in is, whenever the ball goes over the sideline, whoever kicked it across the sideline, the other team gets what's called a throw-in. Pretty simple, right? And there's, you know, a couple basic rules about the throw-in that everyone at every level must follow. Here's the first rule. When you do a throw-in, both feet must be in contact with the ground during the entire throw. Are you with me so far? You with me? That's pretty simple, right? Now, they must either be both planted, or you could have one foot in front of the other. You can even be moving as long as one foot is dragging. But what you cannot do is throw in a ball and throw like this, or like this. You with me? Rule number one, keep your feet on the ground. Rule number two, you must throw with two hands. You can't chuck it with one hand. You can't do any behind the back, any of this silly stuff, right? It must be with two hands. We tell our players to make a W. Rule number three. Wait, sorry. Am I going too fast? Two hands, two feet. Third one, very important. The ball must come all the way behind your head. It must be thrown from behind the head. So I can't throw like this, okay? I can't throw like this. I can't throw like this. So two feet on the ground, two hands on the ball, hand behind the head, one fluid motion, and you're good. That's a throw-in. You're welcome. (laughs) So, earlier this week, Mr. Referee struggled with that rule. Now, you have to pass a test to get the little badge and wear the little shirt and get the little whistle, especially at varsity athletic level, right? So, in the first half of said game, I was a good and loving pastor coach, right? Ref, I believe that was a foul throw. Why is this important? If the other team has a throw in and it's a foul throw, then it's my team's ball. We would like the ball because we would like the ball so we can score, so we can win the game. Uh, Sir, and I use the word sir. Ref, that was another foul throw. So this proceeded through the first half. And I kept my composure. I was very patient. You could even say I was loving, love God and love people, right? And which, by the way, they all know that I'm a preacher. That Buckley guy, he's a preacher, right? And so they're just looking for a chance to say hypocrite, and I know that, and so I'm kind, and I'm loving, and I'm respectful, and I always say, sir. In the first half, it was no big deal. Sir, that was a foul throw. That's my ball, sir. He's throwing it with one hand. Sir, his foot came off the ground. Sir, easily that's a foul throw. Everyone knows that's a foul throw, sir. That's my ball. And I kept cool. The problem was the second half. And in the second half, what really was bad is, I I admit it, I admit this to my team, I made a bad coaching move, and I think it cost our team, and now our team was chasing the game. And we were down 2-1, and there's 10 minutes left, and no one knows how to do throwing. And you know, by the way, did you know that my voice carries? Were you aware of that? I have what's known as a coach's voice, right? You can hear it through the walls. And you know when this coach slash pastor slash Christian follower of Jesus is getting upset when I'm no longer say, saying ref, sir, I'm going referee. When you hear that, you know that there's a line that's been crossed, right? And I'll, I'll be honest. I mean, I, I, I've tried very hard. And for the most part, you're looking at a very respectful guy towards referees. I, I, I mean that. I'm not bragging. I'm just saying on this day, I wasn't. Because it's 10 minutes left and we're down a goal. And Mr. Referee, are you joking? That was a foul throw. That's my ball because we want the ball because we're losing. 
And then with two minutes left, there was like three foul throws. And I mean, the guy's legs in the air. A guy did a little one of those. And by the way, if you're a dude and you do that, you, you should be just called for a foul. Because that's just <laughs> a hideous movement for any human, let alone a dude wearing short pants. And so what happened was I, I got to this point where I just said, sir, you are absolutely clueless, sir. And immediately I knew, would you mind holding that for me? That that was not love. That was not love. You want to go through a pastor's mind as he's preparing throughout the week because the sermon's always in your head. It's always marinating. It's like a stew. It's like bread in the oven. You're looking for these chances right there on Monday afternoon. It's like, hmm, Mr. Love God, love people. How's that working out for you? And, and why do I say that? Because I know some of us are sitting here going, what, really? What's the big deal? I've said worse to refs. I know. <laughs> I'm at the same game. But, you know, as I was sitting there, I mean, he, he seemed like a nice guy. And I, I just thought, what if his kids are there? What if his wife's there? Right? I mean, there's witnesses. My voice carries. I know all of my students are there. And their students are there. And their fans and their administration. And in front of God and all these people on this beautiful Monday afternoon, you, sir, are absolutely clueless. I don't know what kind of day he's had. I don't know what's going on in his life. I don't know anything about this guy, except he's in my way. We do that, don't we? We say things like, yeah, love God and love people. But isn't it easier to love God and love people when they're easy to love? When they're easy to love, it's easy. When they're not easy to love, that's when it kicks in. Last week, we talked about the fact that love is the greatest. Why is love the greatest? Because God is the greatest and God is love. We also talked about in this What is Love series that love is not a feeling. So we don't love when we feel like it. Love is a choice. Love is an action. And in that moment, my actions, what was coming out of my mouth was not loving. But I think some of us, we think, well, some people are fair game. You know, every year as a, as a coach in the, you know, Michigan High School Athletic Association, I, I have to take this little test. And for the second or third year in a row, at the very end of the little, you know, this is what we're focusing on this year, head injuries or concussion or, you know, hydration or whatever. Uh, it talks about, it's basically a plea for coaches to help them find referees because there is a crisis in Michigan right now. We can find no one who wants to referee matches. Because who would subject themselves to the level of abuse that we give referees? And you may think calling someone absolutely clueless was actually pretty nice. Well, he was absolutely clueless. I know, okay? Hope he's not listening to the podcast or watching on podcasts. In that moment, he was absolutely clueless or at least oblivious to the throw-in rule. But did he need that to come out of my mouth in front of all those people? I'm not sure. In fact, I'm pretty sure he didn't. We're selective with who we show love to, aren't we? Have you ever been in line, in the express lane, or in any lane at a store and gotten a little bit impatient, maybe even a little bit unloving? 
let's just say you're at Meyer, also known as the outer ring of hell. And let's just say you're behind a little old lady. She reminds me of your granny. And she's buying Granny Smith apples. And, and it makes you happy because you think of Christmas and Thanksgiving. And she's a little old lady bent over with gnarly fingers. And she's buying Granny Smith apples. And, and she's taking her time, right? And you're in a rush. I find myself with unlimited amounts of love, kindness, and patience for that little old lady. Because she reminds me of my gran- granny, and I love apple pie. And she's going to make an apple pie and make the world a better place, right? I'll even help her with her bags to her car. I'll even sit there and smile when she pulls out a checkbook in 2016. You didn't get that, did you? Who's writing checks in 2016? And with her arthritic hands, she's trying to scrawl out a check and send it by carrier pigeon to the dude right across the counter, Right? I'm patient and kind. Most of us are patient and kind. Because if you beat up granny for taking her time, you look like a jerk. We're also patient, loving, and kind when it serves ourself. Well, I don't want to get impatient with granny. I want to appear magnanimous and handsome and whatever, right? But I'm going to tell you one thing. If I'm in Meyer in the express lane, and dude in front of me has too many items, and also should be wearing a belt... And his pants are too big and they're tied somewhere around his knees. And he's disrespecting cashier and he's on the phone being loud, abusing his girlfriend. I want to throat punch him, right? And I just might. All of a sudden, well, we don't have to love that guy. So you see how we do it? Like we get selective with who we show love to. We're selfish with who we show love to. We'll show love to people if it serves us. What about those closest to us? Why is it that sometimes it's hardest for us to show love, to put love in action to those closest to us? You might think it's strange, but in in this room and watching or listening online, there are marriages that are just waiting for someone to show love that might save it. Love that sacrifices. Love without condition. There's relationships that could be repaired. Sometimes those closest to us suffer the most. Oh, we'll love everyone else. We'll be generous with everyone else. We'll be patient. We'll be kind with complete strangers. But our little kid or our husband or our spouse, no patience for. You know, I'll never forget. It was a moment that's branded right here in my mind, right out here in the lobby of T1. Years ago, the chairman of our board was having a very important conversation with a brand new board member and myself. Are you getting this high-powered meeting? It was, you know, right after a service. Here's the very holy, very wise chairman of the board. And here's a new holy and wise new chairman of the board and yours truly. And we're talking and the young new board member was making his point and making his point. And while he was making his point, he was distracted by a precocious little six-year-old that kept pulling on his pants going, Daddy, 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 look at me, Daddy, Daddy. And he was focused because there was his pastor and there was the board chair and he was intelligent and brilliant and this was going to save the mission of the church. And the little child just kept going, Daddy, Daddy, Daddy. And I'll never forget it because his character flared up. He lost patience and he turned around to that precious little girl and said, would you stop it? I'm talking. What have I told you about that? And then he looked at us and he goes, now, 
And the part I'll never forget was the board chair said, hey, don't ever do that again. She's way more important than me and John. What she has to say, I got three daughters, and they're all grown. You're going to miss that. You know what that little girl wanted? She wanted to show daddy her dress. Why is it that we hurt those closest to us, but we give love freely to complete strangers? God tells us exactly what love is. God tells us that love is the greatest, and it's the greatest because he's the greatest. We also know from Scripture that love in action can change everything. As Brian was talking about in the words of Brennan Manning, we love and serve a God that loves us as we are, not as we should be. And so in 1 Corinthians 13, we're going to just look at half of a verse because in these next weeks, we're looking at exactly what love is. And in verse 4, just half of this verse, God tells us, love is patient and kind. You want to know what love is? That's what it is. Love is patient and kind. What does love look like? It looks like patience. It looks like Kindness, kind words, kind actions, kind choices. Not just the kind when you tell your little kid, hey, you be nice. You see, some of us, you know, we come to Christianity and it's like, yeah, you're a tough guy. You know, you're the northern Michigan man or you're full of testosterone and you're like, listen, sometimes tough love, that's what people need. Yeah, I know. But love is patient and love is kind. And that doesn't mean that love is soft or that God is soft. It means, because he doesn't waste words in Scripture, if you want to know what love is, that's what it looks like. And if that's what it looks like, we're in trouble. How many of you would say right now, I'm a patient person? Good. We're honest today. I like that. How many of us would say, as a general rule, I'm a kind person? Okay. We all want to claim that, oh, I'm kind, I'm kind. How many of us have ever been unkind? Well, then you're wicked and you deserve hell, all right? And I'm the same way. Patience and kindness doesn't always come easy. But that's what love is. Love is the greatest because God is love. And love is patient and kind. How do, how, do, how do I reconcile my life with that? How do I reconcile that moment with that referee where, let's be honest, I was not patient, nor was I kind? We're going to need help if we're going to be patient and kind. There's a couple things. There's three things that I want us to see about patience and kindness. First of all, patience and kindness. Love is patient. Love is kind. This is God's nature. It's not my flesh. Let's acknowledge that. Patience and kindness is God's nature not my flesh. Now, this is good news and this is bad news. The good news is, if you want to know what God's love is like, God's love is patient and kind. Isn't that good to know? Remember, in 1 John 4, he said, God is love. And here he says, love is patient and kind. So even if you didn't take Logic 101 in college, if God is love and love is patient and kind, that means God is patient and kind. Even with the worst sinner, he's patient and kind. Even with the dude that needs to buy a belt, he's patient and kind. 
He's patient with Granny Smith. He's patient with that dude with pants on the ground. He's patient and he's kind. So that's God's nature, but it's not my flesh. My flesh is impatient. My flesh is unkind. And that's because I'm the smartest guy in the room. I'm the guy with the most important agenda. Don't waste my time. I'm in a hurry. I have a plan. Are you seeing this? Impatience and unkindness comes from selfishness. It comes from pride. It comes from me. When I'm impatient and I'm unkind, it's all about me. It says love is patient and love is kind. And if I'm not that way, that's my flesh. But it is God's nature and I want to be like God. Why do I want to be like God? Well, because God loves me. He showed his infinite patience and kindness with me. He sent Jesus to die on a cross to die for me. That's his kindness. And he's patient with me until I acknowledge his kindness, right? There's people here today that aren't Christians. God is being infinitely patient with you. And the fact that you're here today, he's showing his kindness to you because you're hearing the gospel and how much he loves you and has been patient and kind with you. He doesn't force us to love him. He's kind that way. He's generous that way. He lets us come on our own. He draws us. But God's nature is to be patient and kind. My flesh is not to be that way. But just because I'm not naturally patient or naturally kind, it doesn't make it okay. Because my flesh needs to be put to death. And my flesh, I'm in process, my life changing, becoming patient and kind, like Jesus. You see, some of us are like, well, I'm not a patient person. I'm a Christian, but I'm not patient. Sorry about you. I'm a Christian, love Jesus, serve Jesus, sing about the great I am, but I can't be kind to those people. Really? So God's power is strong enough to save us, but it's not... Strong enough to change us is what we're saying. That doesn't line up. Love is patient. Love is kind. Here's the second thing. When we talk about patience and kindness, it's God's spirit. It's not my feelings. Now, spoiler alert. The whole message rests on this point. It's God's spirit that's patient and kind, not my feelings. This could save your marriage. This could save you from being a jerk for the rest of your life. When I say it's God's spirit and not my feelings, patience and kindness are what's called fruit of the spirit. In Galatians chapter 5, it lists these different fruits of the spirit. What do we mean by fruit and the spirit? What that means is the moment someone becomes a Christian, God's spirit takes up residence in their life. So to become a Christian, it's simply asking God to come into your life, to forgive you of sin. In that moment, you're a child of God, you're adopted, you're transformed, you're a new person, even if you don't get a little warm, tingly feeling. Some people do, some people don't, some people make the decision very stoically, some people it's dramatic and, and you, know, you see you know, choirs of angels. But either way, however it happens, at that moment, God's spirit lives in you. And the fruit of God's spirit living in you looks like this. Galatians 5, it says, the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, 
Some people get that in spades. Some people get just a little bit of that. But love, joy, and peace are fruits of having God's spirit live in you. You may not be perfectly loving or perfectly joyful or perfectly peaceful, but you can have a little bit of that. It says love, joy, peace, get this, patience and kindness. That's a fruit. Well, I'm not patient. Then do you have the spirit? Well, I'm not kind and I'm not going to be kind. Do you have the spirit? Now, I didn't say you're going to have it perfect, but I'm trying to say if it's, it's God's spirit, not my feelings, it doesn't give us a pass. Now, we're not trying to create a church full of people that are faking it, but let me flesh out this point. When I say it's God's spirit and not my feelings, some of us think because I don't feel patient, therefore I have a right not to be patient. Wrong. When you feel impatient, that is the time to be patient because it's God's spirit, not your feelings. And God will help us. He promises to help us. God will do his part. Our job is to do our part. Some of us, it's like, well, I don't feel very loving. I don't feel like being kind to this person. That's exactly when it's time to be kind. We are a nation led by our feelings. We are a nation led by our emotions. We're a church led by our emotions. And honestly, at times, it's pathetic. We have a whole generation of people that call themselves Christians, but they're not a part of a church because someone hurt their feelings. Really? Paul was stoned twice, and not that kind. He was beaten with sticks. He was whipped. He was imprisoned. But someone hurt your feelings at church? Some might say, John, too far. You might hurt someone's feelings. Sorry. I got to tell the truth. When you feel impatient, that's when you need God's spirit in you to help you be patient. Because remember, love is a choice. Love's not a feeling. And if love is patience and kindness, that means patience and kindness is not a feeling. It's a choice. I choose to show patience here. That means dude with pants on the ground in the express lane with too many items, talking on the phone, being a jerk, drops his keys. Excuse me, son. You dropped your keys. Oh, thanks. Hey, dude. Do you need me to buy you a belt? I'm just being kind. No, no, no. It's a good look. It's a good look. It's a good look. I like seeing your underwear. Just wanted to say, if you needed a belt, I'm here for you, bro. You know. What would happen? What would happen if we would practice patience and kindness as a choice instead of just a feeling? Love is patient and kind. The last thing about, that I want to say about that is it's God's glory, not my comfort. It's God's glory, not my comfort. Not only are we a nation led by our feelings, but we're a nation led by our comfort. Whatever's the most comfortable. We'll love when it's convenient. We'll love when it pays off. We'll be patient and kind when it makes us look good or when it's easy. It's when it's uncomfortable that it matters most, in my opinion. Patience and kindness. When we do that, we are loving. And when we are loving, we're fulfilling God's greatest commandment, which is to love God and love people. 
as we love ourselves. When we show patience and kindness with a child, with a spouse, with other students in our class, people at our work, a customer, the the lady behind the counter, our waitress, our waiter. God is glorified. It brings him glory. You know why? Because in that moment, we're following in his footsteps. Are we glad that God was patient and kind with us? Are we glad that he is patient and kind with us? Jesus didn't pursue his comfort. He said the son of man did not come to serve or or to be served, but to serve and give his life away as a ransom for many. The night before he was headed to the cross and he knew he was going to the cross, he prayed, God, if there's any other way, take this cup from me, but not my will, but your will be done. Jesus was saying, is there any other way? For me to escape this horrible feeling and this horrible discomfort of the cross. But then he chose to act and go to the cross, which is the ultimate expression of love. You and I are called to do the same. In Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said, if anyone wants to be my disciple, he must deny him or herself, take up your cross and follow me. Sometimes when we choose to be kind and choose to be patient, that's exactly what we're doing. And you may not feel like it. And it may be hard. Now, quick caveat. I'm not trying to create a church full of codependents here. That doesn't mean that we allow ourselves to be abused. But you can still be patient and kind in the way you go about that. That doesn't mean that you have to be everybody's friend. But we're called to be patient and kind to their face and behind their back in what we say, in what we do, in how we act, in what we post on social media. Love means be patient and kind. You know, one of my fears is even sharing that story about the referee. Some of us, we're so far, I mean, the bar hasn't been raised. The bar is so low for us on who gets patience and kindness that when you hear me use the word word clueless, right? We sit here and say, well, that's that's a dumb example. I've said far worse. What if that referee was here today, sat in the third row at my work and called me clueless in front of everybody, right? You're clueless, preacher. We'd have him thrown out or shot. (laughs) Some of you are thinking it though right now, aren't you? Yeah. So what would happen if we were to inject that kind of love into the situation that you're in this morning? So this is a a lot of nice talk until it applies to you. And that's where it's got to go. It's got to apply to us where we live or we're just wasting our time. We're going through the motions. So where does patience and kindness, that kind of love, where does that need to be injected in your life? Maybe even right now God's been speaking to you. I don't know. Maybe it's in your marriage. Maybe it's with your kids. Maybe it's with your boss. Maybe it's with a really difficult person. Maybe it's the season of life that you're in. Maybe maybe patience and kindness. You know, you said some unthing or some, you know, some unkind things to God. You've been impatient with God. You're tired of waiting on God. God, I've been patient. Where are you at? What's he saying to us? You see, when we love like that, when we show great patience and great kindness, there's a ripple effect. 
that can change everything. There's a ripple effect. There's a domino effect. And I think for some of us, we've been in situations for a long time, but we haven't injected that kind of love that is patient and kind. And I'm excited about the potential. What would happen if we did that? You know, the Apostle Paul, before he became Paul, he was a dude named Saul. And he was a religious fanatic. In fact, by today's standards, he would be a terrorist. Because he was a religious extremist trying to stamp out Christianity and those that followed Christ. He was having them persecuted. He was having them beaten. He was having them mocked. He was having them jailed. He was having them murdered. That's a terrorist. But God was patient. You know, I've often wondered, you know, after Stephen, the first martyr, it says Paul held the coats of those that threw stones at him. Why didn't God do something? Why didn't God send a lightning bolt? Why didn't God show Paul how to do a throw-in? But this guy, it wasn't until the Damascus Road that he encountered Jesus and his life was changed forever. He became the greatest of the apostles because he met Jesus. He met that kind of love. He met grace. He found out what is love. And he spent the rest of his life being that. He wrote over half the New Testament. One, one of the books that he wrote was 1 Timothy. And he gives us a little glimpse, inspired by the Holy Spirit, into his testimony. And in 1 Timothy chapter 1, he says this. This is a trustworthy saying. This is Paul speaking, inspired by God. And everyone should accept it. Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me. That's loving kindness. That's what mercy is. God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. You see, Paul understood that God had been kind and patient with him, and now he's saying, if me, a terrorist, can be changed and be redeemed and become a loving person that shows patience and kindness, then you can too. And that's proof. He goes, I'm proof of God's patience and kindness. What would happen if we love that way? And not just as individuals, what would happen if as a church... We live that way. For some of you, you've been patient and kind. You've been very patient and kind with your pastor. Thank you for that. But what would happen if if there was a collective movement of us that says, you know what love is? We'll show you what love is. Love is patient and love is kind. And by the way, we're not going to get it perfect. That's why I shared that story with you. The rest of that story about that referee is, you know, the game's over and we lost the game. We deserve to lose. And, you know, you have to do the good game, good game, good game, good game, even if you don't feel it, right? Because that's what kids should do. Even if they don't feel like it, they ought to do it. We're such hypocrites, right? And then I approached the three referees. They're always standing there at the end, and they saw me coming. Did I mention that my voice carries? (laughs) He heard me. But God had already convicted my heart. And as I walked up, I could already see him. Sir, sir, he was giving me the sir, don't even go there. And I said, no, 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 no. I said, I'm here to apologize, sir. The use of the word clueless was not necessary, and I'm sorry. And I didn't demonstrate for him what a real throw-in was supposed to look like. That, that, 
I just didn't need to be unkind. And I'm thankful for God's patience. So when we don't get it right, it does, we don't give up. We don't, well, I can't do it. I can't do it. My dad was impatient and I'm impatient. Sorry, bro. You don't get a pass. We're here to break the chain. We're here to break the cycle. We're here to be like Jesus. Love God. Love people. You mess up? Okay. Apologize. I was unkind. I was impatient. But what if it's my six-year-old and I'm trying to teach her manners? Yeah, okay, teach her manners. But then you take her aside and say, sweetheart, daddy was impatient. And you know what? If you're a man, you'll do it in front of the, the men that you offended her in front of. And let her see you humble yourself and say, daddy spoke unkind to you, I'm sorry. And by that, God's glorified. Because then we have the heart of God. And it's his nature, it's not my flesh. It's his spirit, it's not my feelings. It's his glory, not my comfort in what's easy. So we're going to end, we're going to pray together. Because i I, I got to tell you something, you're going to need prayer, all right? <laughs> Jesus said his house would be a house of prayer. So we're going to end with some prayer, we're going to pray together. We're going to give you a little space to pray. But the confession is that I've prayed for patience for me and for us as a church. Oh boy, it's going to be a doozy of a week. When you ask for patience, hang on. This could really suck. All right, so let's pray together. Would you bow your heads? Would you bow your heads? Let's start this way. Maybe ask God, God, is there an area of my life where you're asking me to show your love, your great life-changing love, by being patient and kind? And just ask him. God, if you haven't spoken already, would you speak to us? Those of us that earnestly want to examine our hearts, where can we be patient? Where can we be kind like you? And secondly, I'm hoping something's popped into your mind. Ask God how you can be patient and kind. Or ask him for help. Ask him for strength. We know it won't be easy. Lord Jesus, I acknowledge this is a dangerous prayer to pray. But we also acknowledge your infinite love, patience, kindness with us. God, I pray that you would help us to navigate what that looks like. But God, I pray that you would not protect us from the opportunities God, I pray that you would not deliver us from the hard places until you're done developing us into the disciples that you want us to be. God, for those here that don't know you, I pray that you would continue to show your patience with them and your kindness. And God, that your spirit would open their heart and their mind and their will to want to become a follower of Jesus. God, you're the greatest. And love is the greatest. It can change everything. But God, I pray that you would help us to have courage to risk loving the way you loved us for your glory and our joy. And it's in Jesus' name, the one whose name is synonymous with love. It's in his name that we pray. Amen. Thank you so much for being here. I hope it's a good week. When you have that opportunity to be patient or to be kind, don't curse me. Trust God. I love you. We hope to see you next time.